welcome to Solar Tech Talk, where we nerd out about solar energy, technology, and policy. I'm Aaron Bingham, Product Manager with BayWA-RE. And I'm Tierney Marsh, Strategic Account Manager with BayWA-RE. So Tierney, this month, like every other this year, we've seen some really, really big movement in our industry. Um, this time it's coming from a policy angle, and I wanted to start off today by having a bit of a conversation with you about um, what we're seeing with the Inflation Reduction Act, where we're at right now as of this recording, um, which is kind of towards the middle of August, and uh, where we think things are going next. Yeah, so the Inflation Reduction Act is really exciting for our industry, especially if it makes it all the way, which it currently looks like it's going to do. So we're currently sitting, like you said, in the middle of August. It passed the Senate earlier this week. It just passed the House today. So it's on its way to Biden's desk where it's expected to be signed into law lickety split. That is fantastic news. I've been following this legislation a little bit and I'm very excited about what I hear, but um, you did a bit of a deep dive and got some really, really good notes from a couple of articles that you read. What, what have you learned? Yeah, so broad strokes, there are three bigger impacted areas. And one of those is climate change, of course. So that's perhaps the one that we're most excited about. So I'm going to circle around to and leave that one for the end, you know, the dessert of our, our little entree here. One of the, the things that's happening here is there's some impact for healthcare. So a couple of things that's happening there, there's a three-year extension on the Affordable Health Care Act policies, which would have sunsetted this year, and which will impact 7 million people and help them get health insurance. They're also doing some, they're adding in negotiating power for Medicare, which is really huge. And they're doing a couple of other things, which will really help a lot of people have a better quality of life and which is going to be really important there. Yeah, I think a lot of the action that they're taking was aimed at levelizing the cost of healthcare for uh, Americans all over the country. Try to make sure that that is not contributing to the staggering rates of inflation that we've been seeing in the last two quarters specifically. Great. So yeah, that that's going to have a big impact and I think be really helpful for folks just at the um, at the kitchen table level. What's the what's the second area that um, yeah, so the next piece really has to do with a large part of how they're going to be recouping this cost because overall this bill is going to pay for itself and then some. So the next piece is about taxes. The first thing that they're going to be doing um, is they're going to be giving the IRS more funding so that they can close what they call the tax gap. And that is taxes which are owed, but which are not paid on an annual basis. And so the current estimate is that that is sitting at $441 billion. What we're expecting is that that is only going to impact people who are in really high tax bracket. So it's not going to have any impact on folks who are making under 400K. So that should be pretty good news. Yeah, for most households, that's uh, if you're earning at that level, you've probably <laughs> you've probably got some room to stretch and you'll be all right. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah hope, I hope this isn't hurting anybody. <laughs> Um, and then the other thing is they are going to be in, incorporating a 15% minimum corporate tax rate, which will only impact organizations with profits over $1 billion. So those are two of the, the pieces. And then, like we said earlier, the next big piece, the thing that we're pretty excited about is the, the focus on climate change and renewable energy and that kind of thing. So 
that biggest impact, they're spending almost $370 billion specifically on climate that's dedicated in this bill. And if everything is implemented correctly, they're expecting to cut pollution by 40% of 2005 levels, which would be really exciting. Wow. So that's that's looking back at the year 2005 or targeting 40% uh, less pollution than that uh, than that year, than we experienced that year. Is that correct? Exactly. Yeah. 2005, we're trying to roll it back so that we can make the biggest impact. Um, and they're, they're judging by those numbers for that, for that reason. Since this is the in Inflation Reduction Act, you know, we want to make sure that these kinds of actions are going to be having a positive impa impact on reducing the inflation that we're seeing right now and that we will be seeing in the several years. Of course, all of these projects, once they're signed into law, they're going to take several years to implement. So this is a long-term inflation um, reduction. It's not going to happen immediately. That is something important to keep into consideration. But specifically on the climate side, in the past year, the assumption is that um, the 9% raise in the price consumer index, um, one third of that was driven by energy prices. So um, specifically, these climate impacts that are being proposed in this bill is going to help suppress some of that inflation and help um, revert that increase. Yeah, and it's something that, you know, folks will feel in a lot of different ways, right? You're going to feel it right at your energy bill, at your specific house or business, if you actually install renewable energy. But you also feel that reduction in um, overall fuel costs through other means. Groceries will be slightly cheaper to ship, hopefully, or at least the, the cost will not be rising as quickly. Um, there have been a lot of other logistical challenges that have been stressing our system just due to COVID and everything else that's been happening. And the rising cost of fuel has, has certainly contributed to upward pressure on price in basically every segment of our economy. So mm -hmm. this is really something that's targeting every single American. And it's exciting to see some concrete action from our government, you know, which I, I think anyone uh, on any side of the aisle would agree has just not been able to get much done recently. And it's been frustrating. Yeah. So if we zero in on the renewable energy components, there are several different programs and technologies which are going to be receiving funding so that they can be developed further and we can take advantage of them here in the future. So there's tax provisions for solar, wind, heat pumps, energy efficiency, and electric vehicles, which is really great. And there's also some specific project and pro program support for afford affordable housing and other support for vulnerable communities. So for example, there's $60 billion in grants for projects which will improve air quality monitoring, transportation, and clean energy in poor and vulnerable communities, which I think is really great. Yeah, I, I, I really was excited to see that in there because as folks may know, if they watch what Baywa has been doing, over the last few years, we care a lot about trying to make sure that the energy transition that we're advocating for doesn't leave anybody behind and having these funds out there to make sure that communities that otherwise would have uh, trouble getting access to the advantage that renewable energy of any form can provide have an avenue in which they can actually get access to access to those technologies and improve their lives in the same way that other people who adopt the technology uh, experience.
Yeah, this is this is something that I can really get behind and I'm excited is included in this bill. So um, another thing that I wanted to highlight is that this bill also has specific funds set aside for supporting onshore manufacturing and incentivizing that further. So what we're expecting to see from this, and again, this is a couple of years down the line, but is more solar manufacturers, other manufacturers coming to the US, you know, we'll be building jobs here and we'll be keeping a lot of that money circulating within our economy. So um, anytime we have a chance to do that is really exciting and, and we'll see. We, we think that that will have a big impact on our industry in, in the near term. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, it's 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 right in line with a trend that we have been seeing uh, as the the global logistical supply chain systems have been stressed by things like COVID and other geo geopolitical factors like the war between Russia and Ukraine right now, um, and instability in other places. It's it's become apparent that onshoring some of our manufacturing capability is not just potentially a financial advantage, but it's a strategic advantage. And so I'm, I'm really glad that the um, federal government has included some funding in this bill to ensure that, you know, we're really looking at ways that we can we can bring some of that manufacturing that we've allowed to uh, move to other locations for various reasons. But um, we now are realizing it's going to be important for us to have onshore access to. Mm -hmm. So when we're talking about specific impact to our installers that we work with and the homeowners and company owners that are, are putting solar on their roofs and their carports, they're gonna be able to take advantage of the federal tax credit, which will be raised again to 30%, which is really exciting, right? It's been declining over the past couple of years and was expected to phase out here soon. Um, so reinstating that to its full 30% is gonna be really powerful to help a lot of com uh, companies and individuals go solar. So I think that there's gonna be further impacts. Aaron, you had some insight on that. Yeah, you know, um, we're we're in an interesting position right now as an industry where there's a lot of growth and um, because of the global constraints that we're feeling, there is just this general feeling that things are are constrained. We project that this is probably not going to help that. <laughs> um, you know, so if, if this bill has downsides, this probably could be considered one of it. Um, we uh, forecast that if this bill passes, it could end up driving growth in a way that does continue to contribute to upward pressure on price, um, that does to continue to contribute to the, the general challenges that everyone feels when there's constraints within uh, you know, one part of the market or another, be it inverters, modules, um, even potentially racking, right? All of these things are are already being stressed by COVID and other challenges. And 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 you know, while uh, demand is being met generally in the marketplace, it's like for some areas, it's difficult, right? Uh, anybody who's looking at module availability over the last six months can tell you that it's a bit of a roller coaster in it, and it is uh, absolutely a challenge that businesses are managing to right now. So we anticipate that it's just going to become all the more important for folks to be trying to plan ahead, making sure that they establish deep and reliable relationships with their distribution partners and that those distribution partners understand what their book of business looks like in a realistic way that will allow them to accurately forecast and do everything that they need to do on their planning end to make sure that they've got the product that you'll need for your business to keep moving forward accounted for um, on their books. 
So lots of challenges, but absolutely a situation that will favor folks who are more apt to plan with their distributors and try to work with their suppliers to make sure that they understand what their needs are going to look like in 2023 and beyond. Yep. Agreed. So yeah, we pulled a lot of this information from some really great resources that we will link in the show notes, um, but we've specifically leaned on articles from Vox and Reuters and Bloomberg. So I wanted to, to highlight that and send you to the show notes to uh, click through to those links. And we'll, of course, keep watching this as the story continues to develop. This is going to be huge news for our industry. I, I think I heard it referred to as the first really significant piece of climate legislation that's been passed by the United States Congress. So this is a big accomplishment for everybody. And I like to think that everybody in our industry contributed a little bit to it by making the story of renewable energy and solar in particular something that people really attach to and want to fight for. So um, let's just keep at it and keep getting Watts out there. Uh, I can get behind that, Aaron. Nice. So we do have a really awesome guest that we're talking with today. Um, we're just speaking with Philip Schwartz, who's the CEO and co-founder of PV Palette. And so I want to highlight that because that really speaks to a lot of what we're talking about here today. Yeah, they've got a really innovative business where they're working on eliminating a significant portion of the waste cycle that comes with any PV installation, that being the, the pallet and the wrapping that um, goes around the modules that are shipped to site. Um, they think that their product, the PV pallet, is going to be able to uh, reduce damage that happens to modules during shipping and uh, keep jobs getting installed on time and improve uh, service that distributors and manufacturers are able to provide to their installer customers to make install day go smoothly. Yeah, let's jump into that conversation. Well, Philip, welcome to the podcast today. You are the co-founder of CEO of PV Pallets, and we're really happy to have you here. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's, uh, it's a pleasure. We're excited to have publicly announced our partnership with you all and definitely looking forward to what's what comes next. Woohoo! <laughs> yeah. Um, so can you give us a little bit of a heads up? What is PV Palette? What should we know? Sure. So we as a company have designed and we are distributing the solar industry's first reusable, recyclable, and collapsible shipping container that's purpose-built for shipping solar panels. Today, the entire industry ships everything on wood pallets, and the vast majority of those are single-use wood pallets. So they're used one time and thrown into landfills or ground up in wood chippers. So we, we've uh, come along and developed a solution to that, uh, to eliminate the waste in our industry. I think that's so important. As a sales rep here at Baywa, I've run into this problem myself, right? Where we're struggling to find the the material, right? The lumber to create a pallet for the rail that needs to go out to my customer or something. So that's definitely something that I've run into in the last couple of years, which I thought I wouldn't need to, but I love that there is a renewable option now available. So could you speak to what some of your company goals are right now? Yeah, so overall, we're on a mission to eliminate waste, particularly in the shipping and packaging aspects of the solar industry. Again, there's a there's an immense amount of wood waste that's associated with the use of wood pallets, but it doesn't stop there. There's a number of other waste streams associated with it. The wood pallet waste, there's a ton of module breakage that occurs because of wood pallets, uh, because they're flimsy and low quality and offer no protection to the cargo. There's also a lot of waste in the field in terms of labor inefficiencies 
allergies and safety issues associated with pallets. And then another one that's not directly coming from wood pallets, but it's another waste stream that we solve is the, pl the plastic waste uh, that's so prevalent in our world today. PV pallets are made of recycled plastic and at end of life, they are also recyclable to be made into new PV pallets. So uh, it eliminates the plastic waste stream as well. I see that there are more than 10 million wood pallets used to ship PV modules around the world annually. So it's a really noble pursuit to be trying to make a, a dent in that. You know, I know that we we struggle at times with shipping, especially incomplete pallets of modules. In some cases, the sh shipment runs into some issue, modules get damaged, and that can affect a job's ability to be complete on time. It, it can have all kinds of impacts on our installer customers. What are some of the strategies that you guys are using with the PV pallet product to try to eliminate the breakage and waste that happens as a part of those partial pallet shipments in particular? Sure. There's a number of uh, benefits that PV pallet provides specifically on that front. For starters, as I mentioned, wood pallets are, are very flimsy generally. They're flexible. Uh, you pick them up with a forklift and you see them bowing. Uh, and when you're flat stacking modules, which people often do, particularly when they're shipping partial loads, that's a sheet of glass, right? So you bend the sheet of glass, it's it's prone to breakage. So the, we eliminate flex in our pallets by having a steel, uh, two steel reinforcing tubes that run the length of the base to provide extra strength. Um, on top of that, our PV pallets have sidewalls uh, and cross braces that fold out. So there's protection from impact on all four sides of the PV pallet. So that helps a lot as well. And then also when you're stacking wood pallets today, when you stack two wood pallets on top of each other with cargo on them, uh, the, the entire weight of that upper pallet, which can be upwards of 2000 pounds is resting on top of the cargo below. So you're stacking, call it 1500 to 2000 pounds on top of sheets of glass and silicone wafers. So, you know, that, that leads to a lot of breakage as well. With PV pallet, our sidewalls support all of that weight. So when you stack a pallet, the weight is transferred down through the sidewalls. There's no um, weight on the cargo whatsoever. Um, that provides a, a ton of additional protection. We believe that a, a lot of the breakage you see, especially micro cracking, comes from that cargo weight from the upper pallet across the road with all the road vibrations. So. That's a fantastic strategy to try to deal with what, what is an everyday problem for any any PV installer. How, how did you all come to this idea? What what was the I mean, I'm sure that, you know, there there's all kinds of scenarios that might have inspired it. But where, where did this really kind of hit the road for you all? Sure. So my two of my co-founders, Luke Phelps and Stephen Kotwitz, before we met, they had a solar install business in northern Missouri. So they were doing small commercial and residential installations on farm sites and, and uh, residential houses up in northern Missouri. At the end of every job, as we all know, they were left with an immense amount of wood pallet waste and having to rent dumpsters and haul off all this waste and have and pay for the dumpsters and pay the disposal fees. And so that was really where the pain point was recognized. These guys said, there's gotta be a better way. Well, on top of that, they also have ag backgrounds. And in the ag industry, seed used to be shipped in these large cumbersome single use sacks. And it was kind of the same kind of issues you see with wood pallets. You know, they would they would break, they would lose cargo, they'd get a hole in the sack and they were just cumbersome and wasteful. And the entire ag industry over time has shifted to a reusable container for shipping seed called the ProBox. And it's it's similar. It's an HDPE reusable container stackable. So Luke, Luke and Steven looked at this thing and said, why aren't we doing that in solar? 
uh, it just makes too much sense. And that that's really the genesis for it. That was about three and a half, four years ago. And we've come quite a way since uh, those back of the nap napkin sketches that uh, where this originated. But yeah, that, that was the original concept. It, I love the idea of cross pollinization for, uh, throughout like the different industries. That's awesome. Yeah, it's very exciting. So Philip, when I'm thinking about this product, I'm thinking about a couple of different use case scenarios. It seems like there might be uh, more than one ideal customer. Can you kind of highlight what you're, where you're focusing the use here? Yeah, yeah. So the, the beauty of it is it truly provides value throughout the entire module supply chain, which is fantastic overall for the industry. Now to get, to get everybody to recognize that value, we need wide scale adoption. So the long-term value proposition is similar, but not necessarily the same as it is immediately today. So today, uh, the people that we are seeing get the most value out of them are decommissioners and uh, distribution companies and small installers. And the reason for that is those companies are already having to repalletize. Those companies are dealing with partial loads. Those companies are dealing with the waste issues in the field and the labor impacts and the disposal costs uh, in many cases. So basically those folks can use PV pallet in its state today. Bigger picture, you know, those folks are still getting their modules on wood pallets, right? Ultimately from the, mo the module manufacturers. So they're having to repalletize if they want to use a PV pallet or in the decommissioner sense, you know, they're taking modules off of an installation, putting them into the PV pallet. But those folks, it doesn't eliminate the waste issue, but those folks already see value of, from PV pallet today, uh, even, even knowing that the modules originate still on wood pallets. Now, bigger picture, I think it's, it's probably obvious where this is headed uh, for the industry as a whole to truly benefit from it. We need to see modules coming off the assembly line directly into PV pallets. And we'll get there. Uh, it, you know, we're, we're shifting the entire way in industry's thinking right now. So it's going to take some time, but uh, the traction we're getting and the interest from across the board is fantastic. So I'm, I'm entirely confident we'll get there. Uh, we just all need to get aligned on the mission. Yeah, well, I, I can get on board with that. <laughs> Do you already have some manufacturer partners who are working with you guys? So we've we've been in touch. We've had discussions with basically all of the domestic module manufacturers and many of the international ones. I can't really say who we have and haven't talked to. Everything's you know protected by NDA. I, I will say I see that probably within the next year we should have some some traction up and going with with a few module manufacturers, which is which is great. Ultimately, with how the industry works today and how reusables work, they make more sense when you are loading and unloading the reusable container on the same landmass as they're being loaded because of that reuse cycle, you know, the, the, yeah, gotta the, get the it ROI, back. yeah, the ROI depends on reuse and refilling them. And that payback period is certainly accelerated the, the more frequently you can do that. So if they're on a boat overseas, that poses some challenges. Those are certainly solvable challenges as well um, down the road. Sure. But onshore manufacturing seems like a really great opportunity. And yeah, a yeah. lot of those companies are actually really responsive to customer requests. So if anyone listening to this podcast wants to reduce the amount of waste that they're seeing on their site and make sure that their crews are not left cleaning up, you know, tons and tons of plastic and wood that just ends up going into the dumpster after every single job and having the homeowners see that and have that be part of their solar experience, 
talk to your module manufacturing reps and see what they can do for you to try to get you some some materials being shipped on PV pallets reusable product instead. Yeah, you're you're spot on with that, Aaron. And that's that's generally the feedback we've gotten from the manufacturers is we love the product, we want to adopt it, we need to see the demand downstream to justify it. So that's that's spot on. The good news is though that C is projecting domestic module manufacturing to grow from a roughly eight gigawatts to 50 gigawatts by 2030. So uh, that certainly helps helps our situation here with the reusable market. Yeah, yeah. And as we record this, we're actually on the cusp of having the Inflation Reduction Act approved by the House. Um, hopefully that happens in the next 48 hours. So if and when we cross that bridge, that'll create a lot of uh, opportunity onshore for additional manufacturing. So that's a, that's a super exciting exciting place for us to be right now. And I, I think one of the things that will help anyone who's you know pushing their manufacturers to um, do a better job at reducing site waste would would be to understand kind of the the 360 life cycle that you guys have have defined for this product. Uh, I, I really like how you've thought about the product at every stage of its life cycle, and I, I wanted to spend a few minutes talking through the stages that you've identified as a company and what your team plans on doing to make sure that the materials that go into product today can be reused down the road to keep the cycle going and keep product uh, getting built without extracting more resources. Sure. Yeah. So again, PV pallets are, they're designed for reuse and recycling. So on the front end, there's a, an equivalent amount of plastic of about a thousand milk jugs worth of recycled plastic material that go into our injection molds. And on top of that, we use steel, steel tubes and reinforcing rods in the walls and the base. So downstream, you know, you can get potentially dozens and dozens of reuses out of a PV pallet. It really just comes down to how well you treat them and how well you take care of them over time. Uh, but they're they're built tough and they're built to last. But you know, everything has an end of life. So fortunately, with PV pallets end of life, we can punch out our tubes and rods and recycle or reuse those. Uh, and then once those are out, we can we literally can take our entire pallet, put it in a grinder. It grinds it up into into fine plastic scrap, and then we put that scrap right back into our molds. Anybody who's going to be at RE Plus, I've got a jar of, of the plastic material that was taken straight out of our the hopper that goes into our molds. And it's it's pretty cool to see. To me, it's like recycling growing up was always like this mysterious black box. You never, you know, stuff just goes from your house and you never see it again. You're not sure what actually happens to it. This is truly plastic that's being recycled and, and you see it being ground up and put right back into the molds, which is really neat to see. And I get really excited when I look at the jar of plastic and there's a lot of black pieces in there. And usually the black ones means they've already been recycled at least once because all the colors mix together and make it dark. But then there's all these colored plastic uh, scraps in there. And every one of those that's colored is being recycled for the first time. So to me, it's exciting to see there's actually true waste and recycled plastic that's going in to make these things. So I just love it. And people make fun of me because I, I nerd out about trash, but it, <laughs> to me, it's really cool. You're probably a big Boiling Slat fan then, right? <laughs> yeah, the Ocean Cleanup Project. Yeah. Yep, definitely. Doing amazing work. And so, you know, right now, folks who are receiving modules, the pallets included for free. And there's there's probably this question that's going to come up as installers are out there using adopting this and using it for their own warehousing practices or working with manufacturers that you know they're asking to start implementing this into their uh, shipping practices. 
how how i guess a couple of questions come from this for me how are you seeing the the product used on site in ways that maybe surprised your team or were unexpected when you initially designed the product it seems like the type of thing where you you'd see some uses that maybe you hadn't planned for or thought about when you're at the whiteboard and you find out about and maybe found ways to incorporate supporting that element of the product use into uh, future design iterations. What's some of the story that, that you have to tell on that front? And and then with some of that additional value, how, how can you kind of like talk about return on investment for um, using uh, the PV pallet product instead of the traditional free wooden pallets with plastic wrap? Um, so it's a multi-part question there for you, but take it take it one at a time and yeah, start so with things that surprised you maybe. What surprised me probably most so far is, you know, we really made the made PV power with the intent to be a solution for manufacturers, right? We want to sell the manufacturers, replace their wood pallets. I didn't expect such demand from distributors and decommissioners, quite frankly. A lot of the value in PV pallet, again, comes from partial load management. Uh, and to people who run warehouses, the fact that you can stack four high is actually a really big value add to a lot of folks. It cuts down their warehouse space significantly. It provides more organization. You can load and stack different size modules very easily. So the, the, the warehouse people just love it. And I really didn't expect that to, to be a driver for, for us, especially here right out the gates. But it, it, it is the, the fact. And one use case in particular um, on the, the decommissioning front uh, that I hadn't really thought of is that uh, we just went to a job site down in Arizona a few weeks ago. They were dismantling and decommissioning a carport project. They don't want to get rid of the modules. They want to repurpose them, but they don't know when or where. So now they have a very easy way to store these modules long-term and they're ready for reinstallation down the road. So the warehouse aspects and the storage is more of a driver than I expected. And also personally, I had never dealt with partial loads. Uh, I've been in the industry a long time, but- You're a very you know, lucky man. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I totally agree with you now that I know. Uh, but I mean, it was really like Luke and Steven, uh, you know, th that had done more of the smaller residential and commercial installations that knew how big of an issue that was. And that has really also been a huge value add for folks. So, you know, a few surprises there. We are on on a waste elimination mission, but there's there's a lot of value in many other ways just beyond the waste um, itself, which is which is exciting. So that kind of leads into your next question about the ROI, and it's a, it's a valid question. You know, you don't pay for a wood pallet today. Uh, that's certainly true in the sense of a line item expense. It doesn't show up on your invoice from the manufacturers, but that is looking at one aspect. It's not looking at the life cycle costs. And there's a ton of life cycle costs associated with the wood pallets that are less tangible, but definitely very real. You know, you start talking about the breakage, you start talking about the waste disposal, you start talking about the warehouse inefficiencies, the price you're paying for square foot on your warehouse because you can't stack high. Uh, you talk about the the amount of hours you spent repalletizing partial loads. It all adds up and it's all very real. We've, we've developed a pretty robust ROI calculator because we recognize that everybody's situation and every project is very unique. They've all got different variables and levers you can pull in the model. But overall, what we see is that in every situation that we run, I've yet to see one where the payback period takes more than seven uses of the pallet. 
typically it's, it's between three and five. There's a couple that were really, really uh, advantageous and they were more in the low two range. And I've seen a few close to seven, but overall, there's no doubt if you run the numbers, they pay for themselves over time. And it's just, all it really is, is a matter of shifting that perspective uh, from a single use mentality to a life cycle cost mentality. And so, so that, that value comes from being able to stack higher in, in the warehouse location, eliminating breakage of modules for partial pallet shipping. And the third one would be the additional cost uh, to rent equipment for waste removal and pay for those services from the job site each and every time. Is that, is that yeah. about right? That, that's a few of them. But when you start digging into the ROI calculator and really start thinking holistically, I feel like every time we go into that, we find something new that we hadn't accounted for yet. An example of that is the module breakage, right? If I tell you module breakage, you say, oh, what's the cost of a panel? That's what we're going to plug in as the cost. What you don't consider is the fact that now someone has to go out and buy new modules. Now someone has to ship the new modules to and from the site. Now you've got installers that are sitting on site twiddling their thumbs because they don't have the modules to install. They're not showing up for another day or two because we had to reorder. So you extrapolate the costs out and they're immense across the board. But that's why we like to sit down and almost have a consultation with each customer to say, how, how are you operating today? How do you see this fitting in your operation? And let's truly quantify as much as we can to help you understand what the payback truly is. Because I, there's no doubt it's there. It's only a matter of when, not if. So given that, it, what's the best way to onboard a new customer? We very quickly realized that we can't just send these out and hope for the best, at least on this front end when it's new. So we are we are going out to, to customers that buy these, getting the one-on-one -on -one training, getting in front of them really truly demonstrating how it works, how all the features operate on the palette and how it can benefit them. And what's really cool when you go in person is you see, like you can almost like pinpoint the light bulb moment, you know, when the aha, as they're going through this, like, oh my gosh, yeah, this makes so much sense. I get it now. And you, you can see when people start kind of thinking bigger than just, oh, it's a palette. A great example of that is being at a customer a couple of weeks ago and toward the end of, of the training, the topic shifted to the fact that with a reusable that you're sending out and getting back to you, you can put GPS tracking on it. You can put RFID scanners. So it gives you a whole new level of data visibility to your inventory. You know, you start really thinking about where this could go once we really hit wide scale adoption. And it's, it's so much more than just a power replacement. I think that data piece is going to be really important, especially as other as some installers are increasing their data usage so that they can better track their inventory and, and manage their their position. We, we talked a little bit about ROI and how many times you need to use a PV pallet uh, before it kind of pays for itself. Um, but what we didn't talk about is what is the, the max number of uses that you would consider typical? I'm sure that it depends on how good your forklift drivers are and, you know, uh, what what kind of sites you're doing work at. Do you do you have any numbers on uh, kind of what a what a typical life cycle of a PV pallet is in terms of number of uses? Let's say number of jobs that it could be used for. I don't know what the right metric would be, but. Yeah. The unfortunate thing is we don't have quantitative data on that yet. You know, it's a new product. It's just coming to market here in the last two months. Sure. Um, so we don't have like a firm number that we can say. What I do tell folks is that uh, I believe if you take good care of them, they can last 20 or more uses um, easily. 
And what I also like to tell folks is that there's similar, you know, those pro boxes I mentioned in the ag industry, there's pro boxes that have been out there for years and years and years being used and are still in circulation today. So it truly is a matter of how well you treat them. The, the better you treat them, the longer they'll last. But if you do take care of them, they're going to last a very, very long time. They're very durable, made of tough HDPE and steel reinforcing uh, members. So tough product should last a very long time. And I'm excited when we have better data to back up that claim, because it's certainly true. I just can't <laughs> put a yeah, peg they're number extremely on right durable. You, yeah. Anybody who who's at RE plus and has a chance to stop by your booth to check it out in person, um, you'll, you'll be impressed. Um, I know I was the first time I saw them in person. It's, it's a great product. It seems extremely well-designed and y'all have thought about it from many, many angles that I think will benefit you as you try to make some waves in this space. Thank you. Yep. We put a lot of, a lot of uh, brain power into, into perfecting this product. So very excited. So I'd love to talk a little bit about what's next for PV Palette and, and maybe fold in a, a few comments about any iterative changes that you've made um, since your since your first version of the product. I, I know you all, uh, which generation are you on now? Is it generation two or well, we're calling this is Series X that's at market right now. We were calling it Gen 1 before. Uh, I didn't like that because to me, that implies when Gen 2 comes out, the Gen 1 is obsolete, which is certainly not the case at all. Yeah, so we've we've made a number of changes. We, we had our first 150 samples made in September of 2021. Knowing that it was a new product, knowing it was a new design, there's going to be there's going to be things that need to be improved upon. So we took those 150 samples and we sprinkled them throughout the industry to key trusted customers uh, that we knew would put them through the ringer, give us some good feedback, uh, but also not go out and say, hey, these things suck because you know there's some there's some things that need to be improved on. So we took that approach. We got a, a ton of great feedback from folks. And basically we made some changes to the walls in particular. As a result of that, we made put some more ribs in the walls to make, make them uh, even stronger than they were. We also tightened up tolerances around the hinge points um, and the connection points on the cross braces. And plastics is always good to start loose and go tighter because it's much easier to modify the, the injection molds that way than, the, than to go the opposite route. So we knew going in the tolerances could be tightened up uh, before our final launch. So ultimately what we did is took that feedback and then in early 2022 made those mold modifications based on that. And we launched what today we're calling the Series X, formerly known as Gen 1. So that's the flag product that's out right now. The X is for expandable. And then we should have two new series released by the end of next year. And I don't want to go into too much detail about what those are, but I'll say if series X doesn't work for you, in all likelihood, the, the two new form factors coming out next, next year will. That's awesome. So stay tuned. Yeah. Stay tuned. Yes. Lots, lots more to come. And I do have some other exciting news I want to share. It's not quite public yet, so I can't name names. But just this week, we signed a strategic partnership with another reusable uh, container company. And what that does is it's going to allow us to offer a product line of other reusable containers. So now we offer reusable products, not just for solar modules, but for other parts and pieces and components in the supply chain as well. So we're very excited about that. And that should be publicly announced, you know, fully disclosed here in, in the next few weeks. So very, very exciting and uh, helps drive us forward on that mission of waste reduction across, across the entire industry. So Philip, it sounds like there's a lot of really awesome ways that PV Palette can be used in different aspects of the industry. And we're really excited. Baywa's really excited to be able to offer this to our customers. But I'm curious, from your perspective, what are you getting out of a partnership with Baywa? Well, 
a lot and we are incredibly excited as well. I'd say there's there's three key things that I see out of this partnership. For one, Baywa is a leader in the distribution in the solar industry, hands down one, one of the biggest names in the industry. And to be aligned with, with you all as a company is just fantastic. You know, you're a strong partner. You guys really bring a lot of true value to us as a partner. You know, anybody can sign a distribution or channel sales agreement and put it on the shelf and just hope for the best. But interacting with you all, meeting your team and knowing how committed you are to this mission of waste reduction, just, it's just, you know, it's a match made in heaven. We're on. We're in it together, and we know that we can rely on you guys not just to to help us sell product, but to actually get that feedback loop, uh, help us to improve the product, and and really have form a long term relationship. You know, another huge benefit that I see is we. This is a domestic product today. I mentioned it makes the most sense on the landmass that we are in, but we don't want to just stay here. We want to improve the industry as a whole, which means we need to go international. Uh, and I know that Baywalk can help us kind of be a conduit to those international markets, which is big as well. But but overall, it's it's our missions are so well aligned. I mean, you guys are on a you're highly committed to sustainability, carbon footprint reduction, and that we are too. And to me. You're going to have the most success when you're working with people that believe in the same mission you do and are there to to cheer for each other and help each other out. It, it's just crucial. Well, Philip, you're making me blush. Uh, thanks <laughs> for that. <laughs> well, Philip, I think that's all the time we have, but really appreciate you stopping by today to tell us a little bit more about PV Palette. And we're really looking forward to exploring this partnership with you, making sure that our customers are informed about the product and understand how they can be benefiting from it on, on their jobs every day. Yeah, thanks, Aaron and Tierney. Really appreciate your guys' time today. It was a uh, a pleasure to be here. I will just close by saying, look out for us at RE Plus. Uh, we are going to have a a pallet, I think, in Baywise training facility at at RE Plus as well. So, uh, you know, if you want to if you want to see one in person and see what what all it's cracked up to be, come come either visit our booth or reach out to Baywa. Awesome, and we might see y'all there because I'm going to be hanging out, checking it out myself. So there you go. <laughs> Tierney, I'm so glad we got to connect with Philip and learn more about what's happening over at PV Palette. I was really excited the first time I ran into them. I think it was at SPI last year. I'm, I'm not sure, but that I, that rings a bell. Um, and so to see that their product is actually really coming to market, it's a real thing. Folks are actually using it and they love it. I, I, I can't wait to get it on the shelf and, and in our trucks, right? We're gonna be able to be using it ourselves to make deliveries and make our processes more efficient. So I, th I think that that's all gonna be really good, uh, good news for us coming up here. Agreed. I love how they've built sustainability directly into their model and how that's part of their values. And that's something that they're, they're adhering to every day, right? Starting from using recycled products straight to when the, the product is end of life, having it be recyclable, having it turned straight back into a new uh, PV pallet. That's, that's the kind of thing that's kind of forward thinking that we really need to have in our industry so that we can be the change we want to see in the world. Yeah. Uh, I'm all for generation cleanup, right? Let's leave this one better than, uh, than we're getting it. <laughs> um, so, uh, we've got some really exciting things. I actually just mentioned SPI and, uh, that's been rebranded, but it's coming up very soon, uh, rebranded as RE plus the Baywall team is going to be there. We've got some fun stuff going on. What, what do you know about that Tierney? Yeah. So RE plus is happening in Anaheim this year, um, September 19th through 22nd. 
Um, there's going to be lots of fun things happening then. There always are when uh, Solar Power International slash RE Plus is happening. But um, we're going to have a booth this year, so please do stop by. We're at booth 1838. So come say hi to all of your favorite Baywa people. We'll be there. We'll be wearing green. It'll be great. We're also going to be participating and featured in a speaking session. So we're speaking, we're talking about a look at the future. What does winning the energy storage solution look like in 10 years? So that's happening on the 20th at 1230. Uh, so you can access your agenda to find more details about where to pin that one down. But that's a feature, featured speaking session. And then, of course, it wouldn't be a real SPI if we didn't have a happy hour. So we're going to be hosting a happy hour with Panasonic in booth 1438. That's 1438 on the 20th again at 330. So you should be having a good time in Anaheim on the 20th. Yeah, Tierney. And in addition to those events, we're going to have a happy hour at our booth, booth 1838, Wednesday the 21st, starting at 5 p.m. So come by, uh, have a drink with us and say hello. We'll look for you there. And uh, for now, thanks for nerding out with us on the Solar Tech Talk podcast. See you next time. <laughs> oh, and the dogs say it's time.